unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, what do you got for us today? Well, today we got another show on headlines. This is called Problem Solution Headlines. All right, let's just jump right into it. Sounds good. So, you know, Nathan, recently I was watching a video sales letter from an investment advice publisher, not not Agora Financial, not the one I'm a consultant to, a different one. And the narrator on on this video sales letter was telling the story of Steve Jobs in 2008. He was walking in the hills of San Jose, California with one of Apple's best engineers. And Jobs had this vision of an Apple car. And the one problem he couldn't see his way past at the time was the enormous amount of data back and forth that was needed to make this kind of car work. The technology was not available in 2008 to transmit, manage, store, access all that data fast enough to operate the kind of car Steve Jobs had in mind. So you fast forward to today, nearly a decade later, and the narrator of the VSL says, one chip company now has the technology needed to bring into physical reality Steve Jobs' unrealized vision. Uh, That one mystery chip company, narrator said, has solved the one problem standing in the way of building the Apple car. And of course, narrator wouldn't reveal which company it was. You had to buy the investment newsletter for that, and I didn't do that. But it's not the company. Here's the point. Solving one crucial problem in a person's life, in a business situation, um, in a technology situation, in any situation, solving one crucial problem can be worth a lot to a company or an individual or both. So when you put the promise of a solution to an important problem into your headline, that can be a crucial ingredient in a very profitable sales message. And today we're going to talk about how all that works and how you can do that. But first, let me remind you, the listener, everybody, you, that copy is powerful. Now, you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health or finance or business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write your copy and before you start using it. My larger clients do that all the time. Okay, now that we have that problem out of the way, let's get back to problem and solutions and problem solution headlines. So one of the things I'd like to talk about is why you can get your best results as a marketer when you identify the itch they can't scratch and how to identify that itch. I want to talk about a concept called carpet bombing versus laser focus. Out with the carpet, in with the laser. So way back in the 1800s, there was this guy named O.M. Letters, O.M. Scott. He was a founder of a company that is known today as Scott's Miracle Grow. And he, he had grass seed that he wanted to advertise in magazines and newspapers at the time. You know, I didn't have internet then, but um, he had plenty of room for ads in publications, plenty of opportunities anyway. So he could have taken the carpet bombing approach with this grass seed. He could have advertised his original grass seed with all of these possible benefits. He could say how fast the grass seed grows. He could talk about research that went into developing the grass seed. 
He could talk about how cost-effective it was. He could say his grass seed required less fertilizer than other brands. He could talk about awards that the grass seed had won. But Mr. Scott was smarter than that, and that's one reason his company's still around today, even though it has a different name. He knew that people didn't care or worry about speed or research or cost-effectiveness or fertilizer awards. They worried about something else. What they worried about was, would their grass turn brown in the summer? They might worry about that their grass wasn't green enough. Maybe you've heard people worry about this when they talk to you about their lawns. And maybe if you have a lawn, I don't. I live in the city. But maybe if you have a lawn, you've even experienced this worry yourself. It's not green enough. So way back in the 1800s again, Mr. Scott told his marketing team, People don't buy our grass seed. They buy greener lawns. Because Mr. Scott knew that the itch they could not scratch was, how can I get a greener lawn? A lot of the other grass seeds didn't really deliver. Now, what I said looks simple. I mean, it is a greener lawn, right? The result is simple. However, getting to that result is rarely simple as you'll discover the next time you try and find the itch they can't scratch yourself. Can I ask you a question real quick, David? Yeah, go ahead. Um, you, you mentioned uh, going through and having a whole list of different problems that your product or your service offers a solution to. Uh, how, how do you go about nailing down the one that's going to have the most impact? Okay, that's, that's a great question. And actually, I've, I've got a little step-by-step for that. The first thing you got to do is forget about your product. Just be aware of of the things it does, but forget about your product and start thinking about your customers. And first of all, get to know a few of the people who are likely to be your customers, people with lawns, people who want to have lawns, people who want better lawns, homeowners, right? So step one is get to know them. Step two is talk to them. And then Shut up and listen to what they say. Listen closely. Nail down what they say, especially nail down their complaints. When they start wringing their hands and whining, don't tune them out. Listen. Um, Don't listen to them complain about product, about politics or religion or sports or even about your product. Listen to their complaints about the problems they have they can't solve that they'd really love to solve. And eventually, you'll be able to sort through all of their complaints and their bitching and moaning and whining to the answer to this one famous question, what keeps them awake at night? It's the thing that keeps them awake at night that describes a problem that your product or service can solve that is the itch they cannot scratch. Now, here's a temptation, especially scientific people, technical people, Um, uh, people with advanced degrees, people who live by their wits, don't rephrase what these people tell you to make it more correct. If they tell you that they want a greener lawn, don't say, we increase the chlorophyll content of every blade of grass that you grow, which a really smart person would know would make the grass greener. Just say, we give you a greener lawn. Because there's a hardcore reality about psychology that that most people would rather not um, confront or admit, but it's really helpful when you're coming up with a problem-solution headline. The hardcore reality is that in real life, 
most people are not driven by their goals or their dreams. Oh, maybe they've been to a seminar or they've read a book and they think they should be. But in real life, most people simply live their lives dealing with one problem after another. And knowing this and then zeroing in on that one problem that's the itch they cannot scratch, that'll help you get people into um, buying into your solution. Another question for you, and I've heard people say, um, if you can explain the problem better than your prospect can, they'll naturally assume that you have the solution for it. Uh, how important is being able to explain it in their own words in a way that maybe they haven't even been able to clarify? Like you said, just get a greener lawn. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as connecting with them and getting them on board with you later presenting the solution, how important is that? It's like Klieg lights in a stadium. It's like all of a sudden their eyes open, their pupils dilate, and they go, wow, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. Why don't we, um, why don't we go step by step through this um, in, in, a, in a little more detail on, on how to create the headline? We, we, we'll assume that um, you've gotten to know your prospects, you've done research. A lot of people don't. So if you're willing to do that, you're miles ahead of your competition already. Okay. And, and that's important, but, but there's some other things you need to know, especially if you're really a positive person who would rather not deal with problems, who believes that everything you focus on expands. And if you focus on problems, your life is going to be nothing. No, don't look at it that way. Understand this about human biochemistry, seeking out and focusing our problems is just built in to our neurology. And a lot of people get a really solid feeling of reality, of familiar certainty. It courses through our veins when we have this chemical cortisol in our system, which is associated with negativity. It's associated with worry and danger. In other words, by our nature, we revert towards the negative. Uh, there are twice as many adjectives describing negative feelings in the English language as there are describing positive ones. This default response towards the negative is built in to protect us. That was the original purpose of it. So for for the purpose of creating your winning problem solution headline, consider this. Every complaint you hear from a customer is an expression of a problem in search of a solution. Now, the customer may not even be aware of this, but that's what it is. People say, they really say, I wish I could solve, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, again, the language that people most commonly use in their complaints or in description of their worries and their problems, that's the language you want to make careful note of. And when I say make careful note of, I mean, write it down. Don't depend on your memory because especially if you're a creative person, you'll try to improve it. Now, write it down the way they say it, okay? And again, uh, positive, negative, right? As a business owner, as a copywriter, as a marketing pro, as a personal development uh, student aficionado, you may have worked very hard to keep your thinking, even all of your languaging, very positive. But understand what you did when you did that. That's a learned and added skill. It's not natural. It's not like unnatural in a bad way. It's actually there's a lot of research and a lot of 
anecdotes, a lot of experience that says it's good. However, just because it's good doesn't mean it's common. You know what they say, common sense isn't, right? So most people are not real positive. And even people who are positive most of the time are not always so positive when it comes how they think and how they feel about problems. So the key to problem solution headlines, as with so much of copywriting, is to really understand at a very specific and personal level how your customers actually think, feel, and talk about the problem or problems you can help them solve. And it's important, you don't want to just go up to somebody and say, hey, what kind of problems do you have with blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, you need, you, people, uh, sometimes they like to block out problems or make excuses or pretend they don't have them. Maybe they think it's a sign of weakness. You need to develop some rapport and trust and ease and comfort, and it needs to be a relaxed conversation. And it may be three or five or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in before the problem pops out. So you need to train your ears to listen for them. I mean, this sounds like an awful lot of work to get one piece of data, but this piece of data can make the difference between profit and loss in your marketing. So it's really, really important. And the best way, if, if someone was gonna say, how would I know when I've, I've heard that one thing that's going to be the itch they can't scratch. The problem I want to focus on in my problem solution headline. The answer is, it's the point of greatest pain and urgency. That's always a good bet as to where to start and what to talk about in your headline. That's the itch they cannot scratch. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. So I, I'd like to get your take on something. Having worked many years in sales and retail, I yeah. know personally, like you mentioned, a lot of people um, are, you have a hundred people and 98 of them have a very positive experience. And you have one or two people that have a negative experience. Those one or two people are the most likely to fill out a comment card. Um, even though the 98% that had a positive uh, experience didn't write it out. Uh, how do you siphon out what is an actual uh, problem versus what's just a negative um, attitude like you mentioned a lot of us just naturally exist in? Well, the... the you know, you, I mean, like, did you work in, I, I worked in retail once. I worked in housewares. What department did you work in? Uh, as a cake decorator. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So, uh, if 
you're going to get a comment card. They're probably going to talk about, oh, maybe they didn't like the color of the shirt you were wearing, or maybe, you know, the frosting uh, was three quarters of an inch and it should have been seven eighths of an inch or God <laughs> knows, right? Pe- people are just finicky. That's a different kind of problem that you're talking about than the problem someone is is coming in to solve. So the complaints that come in unsolicited are not the same. It, it, it's, it's not like the person stays awake at night saying, oh, man, what can I do to get the frosting to go from three quarters of an inch to seven eighths of an inch? <laughs> the, the, the problem, they're, they're coming in to get a cake because they don't know what to get grandpa for his birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you don't get from a comment card. This is what you're probably going to get from a conversation or possibly, yeah, it's almost always going to come up in a conversation. And, you know, uh, I mean, just to take your example again, it wouldn't be the person that puts in the negative comment card. It might be, oh, uh, hi, hi, miss. Uh, nice to see you. Uh, what kind of cake would you like? Just out of curiosity, why did you choose to get a cake rather than something else? Oh, well, I never know what to get grandpa for his birthday, but I know he likes cake. Oh, very interesting. You hear that three or four times, right? Oh, I never know to get to your mom for her birthday, but I know she likes cake. I mean, who doesn't like cake, Nathan, right? Me. Everyone likes it. <laughs> After <laughs> yeah. working in a bakery for so long. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough, right? And and cake doesn't like me because I, I can't have anything with wheat in it, and they don't make too many gluten-free cakes yet. But, yeah, um, most people do. So it, it's it's more like you want to focus on the negativity around the reason they're buying it. There's some negative problem or maybe there's some frustration they're having in their life uh, that led them to this choice. That's, that's more the negativity so, than routine negativity. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, an example of that, and I'll be real quick so we can get back on track. But uh, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the problems that we ran into over and over again was with uh, parents that had a teenage kid. And most of the cakes that we had that were pre-designed were for preteen kids. And they Mm -hmm. kept saying, we don't have anything that is in the book that our teenage kid would like. And uh, so one of the things, being that I'm a graffiti artist or that I was a graffiti artist before I started being being an entrepreneur uh, and and developed a respect for property rights, I was definitely (laughs) a graffiti artist. and. we uh, we had an airbrush, so I would do graffiti on cakes, and um, that ended up being one of our most popular things that we uh, that we provided, and it ended up turning into one of my first businesses, which was a a software, a piece of software that would create personalized graffiti toppers for cakes. So it was a perfect example of uh, the the people didn't clearly know what the problem was; they knew what the problem was, but they didn't know what the solution was. And uh, by listening to their problem over and over again, we can't find anything for our teenage kid. And coming up with a solution that was perfect for teenagers at the time, we ended up coming up with something that outsold almost everything else in the bakery. Wow. I would say, I didn't know this about you. I'm really finding this out my first for first time myself. You are a badass pastry genius. I mean, not only was that a great idea, but to get teenagers happy with anything is almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. So, and, and exactly. And, and if, I mean, so if, if we sort of thread this back through the boring and not boring, but you know, the uncool step by step, you know, 
there was a problem. They didn't like the pre-made things, which were for what seven-year-olds or something. And teenagers think they're much cooler than that. And teenagers wouldn't like what adults would like. They wanted something sort of badass and rebellious. And you put two and two together and came up with 20. You know, that's very cool. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get back into um, how do you create a problem solution headline for your next promotion? Okay, let me let me give an example of a really famous problem solution headline. Almost everyone will know this one. The headline is, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I began to play, and that's a, a John Capel's headline from the 1920s, it's uh, 100 years old. And you might say, why is this a problem solution headline, and why is it good? And, well, let me sort of break this down, you know, the well-known fear of most people is public speaking. And in fact, one survey said public speaking is number one on America's list of fears. Dying is number six. And Jerry Seinfeld said that means at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket as opposed to delivering the eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I imagine if you're a piano student or a piano player, um, unless you've really you know, gotten to the point where you have some experience and some confidence, uh, playing the piano in front of others has got to be right up there with uh, public speaking, right? Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, so what's the problem with public speaking and and why are people so afraid of it? Well, they're afraid people will laugh at you. They're, you're afraid you'll be embarrassed. You'll be in front of these people and instead of one person wagging their finger at you or thinking poorly of you, 20 or 200 will be feeling that way. And it's the same thing with playing the piano in front of a group. You're going to have this you know, shaming. You might even be shunned from your tribe, you know. So in this headline, the implied solution was that the audience, not only they weren't ridiculing this guy, they were impressed. They were appreciative. They laughed when I sat down on the piano. But when I began to play, it, it implies uh, something very different from the laughter. It implies a 180. Yeah, you know, a complete turnaround it doesn't say what it is, which is good. It, it 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 creates enough curiosity to keep people reading, right? But I, I want to issue a warning here, and the warning is: this is a very hard kind of headline to write in many instances because when you start out with the word "I" in twice in the headline, then you have to write the story in the first person, and it actually does take a little more experience writing copy to write it in the first person i it's easier to write it in the second person you they laugh when you sit down at a piano but when you begin to play or even better in this case a third person he or she um so the, the the solution and i'm not saying you should necessarily use this headline but the solution for something like this is they laughed when he sat down at the piano but when he began to play the key thing here is to focus on the problem or the fear of the problem or uh, whatever it is that your prospect is worried about and then promise or at least strongly hint at a solution. Let me give you another example. This is from the 100 Greatest Headlines. When doctors feel rotten, this is what they do. See, problem, doctors feel rotten, what they do solution. The experts, the doctors do this. So they do this. I'd like to do this. It's a little old fashioned for today, but it's a real good example of, of a headline. And 
I, I want to let you know I put together a few simple templates um, that people can use. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe this will go up in the show notes on the on the website. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put. I love the fact that uh, you always provide templates, and the templates will always be available in the show notes. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's just sort of the way my mind works. So, uh, thank you. Um, so here are a few to get you started. Um, people who used to blank now blank. People who used to have problem now have arrived at this solution. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Finally, a way to, and then just solve problem. <clears throat> yeah, obviously you have to define what the problem is. Uh, once you know this, comma, you'll laugh at pr- blank. You'll laugh at problem. Um, now, this would be if you have a European secret. One of my clients had a European beauty uh, treatment for women, and so this would work for him. You could have famous Asian secret, famous North Carolina secret, now available in all 49, all 50 states. Could be a, whatever. It's famous European secret for Blank, now available in America, okay? Why this blank never worries about blank anymore. Why someone like your, why this, someone like your prospect never worries about this problem anymore. And uh, so there you go, uh, five templates and hopefully some really, really good understanding about the problem solution headline. Nice. I have one real quick question for you before we're out of here. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the uh, classic, they laughed at me when I sat down at the piano uh, headline, and you talked about how um, writing in first person versus writing in second person or third person. Um, I have heard it uh, proclaimed by a lot of copywriters that you want to keep the first person out uh, because you, you want to make sure that words like I or my or me uh, come second towards like you or your, uh, yours, because you want the, the reader to feel like you're writing to them rather than writing about yourself. Um, does that come into play with, with something like they laughed when I sat down at the piano? It's, it's related. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know that, and, and actually I think that hits the nail on the head with the problem here. Uh, if you don't know how to tell a story so that it's not some narcissistic, you know, self-exploration, um, but but it, it, it's actually generalizable to a lot of people, then you should wait until you do know how to do that. Uh, it, it's it's just there there are so many ways you can screw up until you're experienced writing a first-person story, and I think that's the number one. Like someone reads this and say, well. You know why should I care? Who cares? Uh, why Why are you talking about yourself? Uh, I'm interested in myself. So yeah, um, I, I think that's that's a a major reason. It's not the only one, but it's probably the most important one. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode, David. What can our listeners look forward to next time? Oh, next time we're going to talk about storytelling and copywriting. Sweet. I can't wait. All right, that's been another episode of the Copywriters Podcast with. David Garfinkel, the world's greatest copywriting coach. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Yeah, thank you. Catch you later.
Hey, we're running a contest to promote the show, and one lucky winner gets a half-hour free consultation with me over the phone or Skype. Normally, people pay $750 for a half-hour consult with me. Now, we'll select the winner of this contest based on the best review posted on iTunes. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. In Episode 10, we'll announce the winner. So get subscribed and put in your rating and review today.